Today's episode is brought to you by Death Wish, Inc. For over 20 years, Death Wish has been the go-to label for emerging punk and hardcore. That continues today with recent releases from scene staples and promising newcomers such as Modern Life is War, Greet Death, Chastity, Converge, Frail Body, and more. Get 10% off all Death Wish music and merch in their store right now using the link deathwishinc.com slash the first ever which automatically applies the discount and filters the site for all items included. Again, that is 10% off all Deathwish releases and merch at deathwishinc.com slash the first ever. If you ever wanted to hear me sing in a band with mosh parts, go check out my other band, Hesitation Wounds. The record is called Chicanery, and it's available right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Anchorfish Printing. Hey, are you in a band? Do you run a label or maybe you just want to make some merch for fun? You should hit up Anchorfish Printing. They've been taking care of bands for over 15 years. I first met the owner, Michael, when my band Touche Amore started and he was our go-to guy. You can visit what they have to offer over at anchorfishprinting.com. You can hit them up for all your merch needs, whether it's screen printing, embroidery, or maybe you just need some stickers. Mention the first ever podcast and get 10% off your order. Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. If this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest today for episode 94 is Farah Skyke. She's an Arab American photographer, creative director, and writer based out of Washington, D.C. She's a part of the incredible collective of photographers called To the Front, which I'm a massive fan of, which also includes previous guests. Courtney Coles, and Kat Nijmadeen. In 2020, she self-published a book called DC Punk and DIY Right Now. And uh, we just spoke the other day, and I pushed this conversation to the front, uh, no pun intended, uh, be- uh, to the release schedule because she mentioned Break Free Fest, which is a hardcore and punk festival that works to create a space for people of color communities in Philadelphia. It's happening this weekend to celebrate Juneteenth. Uh, you can donate to help the fest cover expenses. Find that info over on their Instagram, which is just break free fest all in one word. Uh, my friends in that band for your health, uh, they're playing it and I wish it could be there for it. Just real quick, before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that the show has a Patreon. You can head over to uh, patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon if you want to help support the show. If you haven't subscribed to the show on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're enjoying this, please do that. Leaving a positive rating and review, as every other podcast asks you to do, is something that is uh, helpful. It's important, and it's always nice to see. And uh, lastly, I uh, printed up some first-ever podcast merch. You can grab a shirt and a uh, hat. Both are available right now. Um, you can find that if you, uh, if you go to the Instagram. There's a, there's a link for it. Um, it's actually through my labels, Big Cartel, which is secretvoice.bigcartel.com. All right, without further ado, here's my conversation with Farah Skyke. 
Nice to see you, Farah. How are you? I'm doing as well as one can, given the chaos of the universe. This is true. This is true. It always feels like a loaded question, you know? Yeah, I, I try to just like, I've been trying to avoid asking that question because sometimes sure. I think there was a day that somebody asked me how I am and I said, yes, because uh, <laughs> I just didn't feel like my honest answer was going to contribute positively to the conversation <laughs> and my brain was just over it. So I don't know. I don't want to get too like corny wellness space ish, but someone's asking like, oh, like, do you have anything good coming up that you're looking forward to or like have you eaten anything really good recently? Like I'm a food person. Like I try to just find a different question to ask to start the conversation instead of how are you? Because it's like, I'm great and terrible at the same time. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in the human nature to like go there directly. But um, you also then as the responder have the, the thing where you're like, do I give the answer? I don't mean, or do I dump on this person in a way that they were not expecting? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, How's, uh, well, how about this? How is, uh, you're in DC, right? I'm just outside of DC. Um, like a couple of your past guests, I am in the, uh, Montgomery County suburbs, um, in a general, I guess it's not a town. It's really big. It's a municipality called Silver Spring. Um, but yeah, just, just North of the city. So nice. And have you been there for a long time? Is that like home? Is that what? Yeah. I'm in my family's house right now for a couple of more months. I think a lot of people made that uh, moved during the pandemic for various reasons, especially as uh, a freelancer who or returned to freelance during the, um, during the pandemic. But, um, my family moved here when I was 14 from Seattle. Oh, okay. So are you originally Northwest? Yeah. Originally Northwest. Yeah. I, um, I loved it. I came kicking and screaming here, uh, cause mm-hmm. Seattle, even the suburbs of Seattle before Amazon had its way with it, like felt really cool and just felt really different. Um, and, uh, at least in my eyes, maybe other people wouldn't feel the same way, but we moved here and it's like, all these houses look the same Mm. and we're in the suburbs and I was like loving being in a city. So. Wow. So you were Um, in like Seattle proper. Yeah. We were in a couple of different neighborhoods and then we were in a suburb of Seattle and then we moved here. So I had a few different experiences in that region. Yeah. And moving at 14, I mean, that's tough. You that's you, you've now you've dug your your heels and you got friends you know the area it's not like when you ha- you move when you're like you know six and it's like you know, right you're sad for a couple days or a couple weeks and then eventually you just kind of adjust but yeah teenage years that's tough yeah it was hard I mean it was hard and it wasn't I'm the oldest of my siblings so I think for my siblings it was a little bit easier because they hadn't like really dug into those friendships yet. Um, and when we moved here, like my siblings both had kids, their age on our street and that helped it like become a lot easier. And I knew I was already like very different <laughs> than a lot of the other kids in my neighborhood. So, um, I was just like, this is not, this is gonna be different. Um, but Maryland, or at least this part of Maryland, like Montgomery County is really diverse, like racially diverse and Seattle felt very like white and like East Asian. Hmm. And I felt just like, like me and the other brown kids at our school were just like, I guess we're just here for flavor. Um, (laughs) This is like an interesting experience for us. Like Seattle's changed a little bit now, but like coming to an area, like where you truly see like different kinds of people all the day is like comforting in one way, but like not knowing any of them is a whole different story. Sure. Um, No. Yeah. yeah. That makes that. Yeah. That makes us, what was the, what was the, uh, the driving force of the move? Was it a a job opportunity? Yeah. My dad got a new job. Um, and 
I think he like took his time. He like waited for us to finish the school year and stuff like that. Like I, I like, I didn't want to leave Seattle, but like I hated middle school. Like I was in sixth grade for nine 11. I had been at a new school for a week and started to make friends. And then suddenly was everybody's least favorite person (laughs) Um, and dealt with a lot of that racism and Islamophobia and bullying. And like, I found my people, um, you know, like sometimes when you're going through hell, (laughs) you just need like one or two people to like be by your side and like know that like, even if you're not talking every day, but like, you know, like that person, like they got you. Um, so like I had that, but I also like didn't completely mind a change. Not that that doesn't exist here. Um, but middle schoolers are terrible. <laughs> the actual worst people. <laughs> if yeah, you talk to middle, it, I don't want to meet middle school me right now. She sucked. I know it in my heart. <laughs> well, it's funny. I feel like everybody, uh, when thinking back, they always think like, oh man, high school was the roughest years. High school was the roughest years. I'm like, nah, I'm pretty sure it was middle school. Middle school was the roughest because kids are the meanest in middle school. What was that Bo Burnham movie? Sixth grade, eighth grade, yeah. that movie. I was like, oh yeah, that's, I don't know why I paid money to re-traumatize myself watching this movie, but here we are. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. It is funny when you describe, um, you know, having the one or two friends that, you know, keep you, keep you grounded, keep you happy, you know, like you can rely on. Um, I feel like that was an early lesson because I think as we all become later in our adulthood, we're like, oh, it's back to that. You know, it's like we, we realize yes. it's like it's a world of acquaintances and people that you love to see in passing, maybe at a show. Um, you, you're following their lives on the Internet, as we all do with Internet friends or whatever. But um, as you're older, you realize it's like there's like probably one or two people that you are, cons- you know, that you would consider like the best friends. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like uh, being in the early stages of wedding planning, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to like America's next top model on my friends and vote them off the island for who's going to be part of what. And I was like, actually, this is a lot simpler than I thought it would be because of exactly what you're saying. It's a good exercise. And like, oh, these are my people. Okay, got it. Yeah, (laughs) truthfully, truthfully. um, Yeah, yeah, our our drummer, Elliot, uh, just got just got married like the week after we got home from tour Mm. and just being next to him in the van while he was going through all of the you know preparation stuff or whatever like he he and uh, our guitar player nick are both married and both hearing their stories of like how tough it was figuring out who to invite who you know who to be in like the the groomsmen all that sort of stuff it just seems like you're setting yourself up to potentially have awkward conversations with people or potentially Mm -hmm. offend people i don't know it seems Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so is have you not had the ceremony yet no, no, we just got this very recent engagement. Oh, well, maybe not very recent, like a couple months ago, March. So we're just kind of easing into like figuring stuff out for next year. Um, well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, we're not doing the, I, I firmly believe that if you're going to ask people to be in your wedding, like wedding party, bridesmaids, groomsmen, you should be paying for like the dress that they're never going to wear again and the matching shoes and all that. And we're just like, we're just not going to do that. And that's also not part of, not really part of Muslim weddings. Like you invite to the ceremony, like your family, like your closest people and everybody else comes to the party. So it kind of eliminates a lot of that hierarchy. That sounds uh, perfect. That sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, my uh, my girl and I, we've been engaged for a little while now. And, you know, we always said like, yeah, we'll just do, we'll probably just like do the uh, go to a courthouse and then just have a small party with our closest friends. Like that, uh, yeah. that just sounds yeah way less stressful, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Sorry. It's, it, 
I am very good at tangents. I'm a double Gemini. So if you have to really reel me in, please don't hesitate to do you so. Have been, you have been, this is the least tangent of all. I'm, okay. All right. I'm, cool. I'm, I'm like, how do we start talking about weddings? No, this, see, uh, right before we started, I said, this is very conversational, you know? It's okay, just, cool. It's very relaxed. Yeah. No, believe me. I've, um, not to name names, but I've had some guests where, where, uh, I, I think I get in like, you know, maybe a, a sentence after like 35 minutes. So it's, this is not a tangent this is lovely so far all right cool great (laughs) um so well let's uh you know this shows all about first experiences and things like that so i was curious when when was the first time you got interested in photography was it while you were still living in seattle i was always interesting and interested in the photography like as a viewer um and i grew up in the age of the internet for sure like was born in 90 um in kindergarten, we had keyboard class, like where to put your hands on the keyboard. And if you finished your keyboard assignment in time, like you got to play Oregon Trail, mess around with paint. And I was like, I'm trying to play those games. Let me finish, <laughs> let me finish my keyboard assignment. But I just was used so used to it. And like I remember when sites like like Live Journal and Zanga started becoming a thing, and then like Tumblr, um, being able to embed photos and um like pour over images on the internet and be like wait where did that come from i need to know more about that like i've always been curious in about photos and a visual learner um and i think photos really first made photos before i heard like the kind of music i like now like i saw it um like i would see my dad's album covers uh, of his records and that he had i would see like oh, who's that cool girl with the who cool brown woman with like the braces and the curly hair? Like what's polystyrene? Okay. Like I need to know more about this. And I was like, I didn't know people who looked kind of like me were part of doing this thing. So, um, or like, see, I, uh, like a big one for me <laughs> before I get into photography, like I've played music for a really long time. Um, and I like, like many good immigrant daughters, my parents were like, here is a violin. We think this would be so lovely for you to play. And I did that for a year. And then Um, when I went to, when I started middle school, I think it was when I started middle school. I don't remember if it was fifth grade or sixth grade. It's one of those two, but our orchestra teacher, Mr. Kohan kept saying like, all right, if we had an upright bass, this is what they'd be doing right now. (laughs) Just like mimic it with his voice. So one day, like after class, I was just like, how hard is it to go from violin to upright bass and started playing upright bass. My mom was like, my daughter is going to be playing this giant thing. Like it was not like the pretty dainty thing. Right. Um, she compared to me to one of my friends. She's like, Anusha's playing violin and she looks so nice. <laughs> so, um, but I knew that like I wanted to contribute something different. Like every girl wanted to play violin, but you know, playing upright bass was cool. And then I started seeing like, okay, we get it. Like girls sing in bands, but I want to see more bands where girls like play. Um, and then I started seeing more pictures of women who were actually like holding instruments and playing drums and playing bass. And I was like, I want to do that. So yeah. the visuals off, like from the beginning were so important to me to feel like there was a place for me, like no matter what it sounded like, but like I had options. Cause like, I did not feel like the hot girl singer. <laughs> I was like, that's just not going to be me. And Polly Starian was like, you don't have to be the hot girl, you know, in the traditional sense of the term hot girl, very traditional term to be a singer. But, like, you also don't have to be, like, the girl in the band who sings. And that's what you do there. Like, what that's your role, like, by default, because you're a girl. So seeing pictures of, like, women playing in bands, um, different kinds of people playing music made me curious to start exploring to begin with. Um, I probably picked up a camera, like, I think I was 16. I got a Canon Rebel for my birthday, like, the most basic version of it. And my dad wasn't, like... A photographer per se but he was like 
I call him a sharper image dad. Like he had, like, <laughs> he, loved ga- he loved gadgets. Like yeah. he loved gadgets. He came from a place where like he did not have the luxury of gadgets. And once he had like made it, like he's got his American dream. He was just like, we got gadgets. We got SkyMall. We got sharper image. Let's go. So he was always <laughs> documenting and he would get his photos developed at Costco. And I would go with him at Costco, which is from Washington state. That's our people. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Kirkland is Kirkland's signature brand is named after Kirkland, Washington. I, some, I told that to somebody recently. Their mind was like blown. They're like, can I go there? I was like, do you need to make a pilgrimage to the original Costco? They were like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if it's any better than like... I was as if they'll have a limited the edition. Yeah. Right, um, they might have some like merch or something like that. But like my dad would get his photos developed. And he would just capture like family trips, family get-togethers, birthdays, you know, photos of your first day of school. And he was at, at Costco, like our last name starts with S and he would be like, here's my secret. And he'd come up to the counter and be like, I'm picking up photos for Zazu. And he'd be the only person in the Z category and he would get his photos in like two seconds. <laughs> Just like made up random last names with like a Q or a Z to get his photos. It's a great um, hack. Yeah. It's a great and, hack. Um, yeah, so, I watched that YouTube channel. But he, he didn't, I don't think he really inspired me necessarily, but he was like, oh yeah, photography, like. I know that like that would be cool if she did that too I don't think anybody I don't think any of us thought that I would be like I'm going to be a photographer sure um to go back to to you playing music was that something that like did you did you end up like trying to get like an electric bass or anything like that like did it go that far I had an acoustic guitar for a while um and I had my like upright bass at home and that was for like jazz band and orchestra like I was not, I mean, I listened to Apocalyptica. <laughs> I wasn't like, listen to Apocalyptica because nice. that's what you do when you look like what I looked like in middle school. <laughs> and like, um, you know, uh, I was not trying to be in like a horror pops cover band or anything like that. I don't think I knew what that band was at the time or what Rockabilly was just yet. Um, but I, uh, I didn't really play music with other people. Like I didn't believe in myself as much. And like in orchestra, like you're part of a bigger sound. And if you're like in a band with like two or three or four of your friends, it's like, it's different. Um, like I didn't believe in myself enough, but I also had like, you know, um, like more like stricter parents who were just very much like, okay, like these activities are like good for you. These are like very prescribed, like kind of what you would think about, like we struggled in other countries for our kids to have this life. And we have a very specific vision for what that is, which I'm glad has changed over time. But I think a lot of that was led by like having strict parents who were like, who's going to pick you up? There's going to be boys. Like what, right. what, why, why do there need to be boys? You don't have some nice girls. You can play this music. You're gonna play rock music. What is this? Like this just, it just was not happening for me at that age, unfortunately. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to be like an autonomous child going to like band practice when you're like 10 or 11 (laughs) like middle school age is a little more challenging unless you have like that friend down the street that like does what you like to do do you still play these days um yeah uh yes and no i played some bass like i I got into like i finally got an electric bass maybe like 17 um i didn't play a whole lot during like the thick of the pandemic, I think my one goal was like, you're going to learn like three Thundercat songs. And as long as you can do that, like you'll be good. Um, Cause Thundercat was like, I think I found him like a Tumblr mix nine or 10 years ago. I finally got to photograph him like last fall. And that was a big moment for me. There's so many people in the room were like, there's a lot of jazz at this concert. And I was like, 
what do you think Thundercat is? Like, why do you think right. I like this dorky person who's into like Dragon like, Ball? I also like that, that that's where, that's what you wanted to learn to play. You know, it's like yeah. the, the hardest thing possible. Yes. It, could, it couldn't have been like, it couldn't have been like, oh, I want to, I want to learn how to play these, you know, Nirvana songs. It's like, no, no I want to learn I mean, how to play the hardest person possible yeah i did that i did that part already so during the pandemic i was like you haven't touched again double gemini extremes there's no balance there's no middle ground one day maybe i'll get there but not yet um and i um right before the pandemic i bought a cello off of a friend who was moving and i've been interested in like learning that and just having something that is like mine and not necessarily doing for other people so i'm gonna actually start learning how to play that now and thinking it won't be too terribly different from uh playing upright bass like similar clef and everything for reading the music um most recently i was in a band called homo superior which is a queer hardcore band um not me not hardcore band like bratty punk band i would say but we played a lot of like mixed shows of different different kinds of punk music under that general umbrella um that's awesome yeah it was fun we're on like indefinite break in this moment um but it was cool. I think we're just trying to figure out like what is next or if anything is next. Everyone's like, everybody's at a place right now where they've like had some time to like reevaluate, like what's important to them, like what they want to give their energy to, um, like how to find some balance and, and just like, yeah, I think, I think that's where everybody is at. Um, but it's been a while since I've played with other people except for like, yeah, that band and like maybe two Halloweens before the pandemic, the X-ray specs for Halloween cover show, which is something we love doing in DC is a, is a good like Halloween cover show benefiting insert great organization name here. That's been going on for a few years. So yeah. it's been a while, but hopefully get started again. For sure. For sure. Well, I'll probably hop back over to some questions about that in a little bit. Cool. We could, we can jump over to back over to, to photos. Do you remember the mm-hmm. photo, the the first photo that, uh you took that like excited you that you were like oh my god i actually did this yes it wasn't music photos it was food photos which is my other like true love besides <laughs> besides music photography is food photography um and that's a big part of my like freelance day job life but um i kind of like i would find random prompts on like tumblr pages like pinterest and things like that to just be like try doing this try doing that like if you want to just um prompts that would encourage you to kind of get out of your comfort zone and try new things so you could get some more practice and then learn your camera better. Um, I think there's a couple really good books for that where you like flip to a random page. It's like, here's a prompt, go make a photo at like for a week, make a photo of the same exact spot at 5.27 PM and see what changes. But in this case, the prompt was like, try to take a really beautiful photo of something that is like ugly, like quote unquote ugly. And um, my family is Lebanese and West African um, specifically Sierra Leonean and a lot of like two, I think people who have not had it before, a lot of like West African food does not necessarily look visually appealing. Like my mom will joke, like this is the real ugly delicious right here is like our food because <laughs> it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like exciting or appetizing unless you've had it and you know, you know, what's up, you know, it's good. Um, and I think I was like photographing things that my mom was making around the kitchen and trying to make them look like exciting or important in the way that like, socially cool foods were like the same way you would you know take a picture of i don't know freaking grilled cheese pull or a cupcake on pinterest or something like that i was just like okay like let's try to make this look cool um and i think the challenge for me a lot of the time especially when like my world was feeling very small was to like take what i had 
and try to make something more of it or try to see it or interact with it in a different way. So that was like one of the first moments was like, oh, cool, this is really cool. Um, but for music, it was probably when I got my camera, I snuck it into a metric concert. So um, snuck it into a metric concert and I like hid and I now I know you are not supposed to do that and the 930 club will not like that uh when you don't have a photo pass but I was also like 15 or 16 and um sometimes it's not about being the best at what you do sometimes it's about having the audacity (laughs) something I have learned throughout my life um but I think I caught a couple photos of the band I was like these are so bad what the hell is wrong with me and I was just like these are not it I think the next show I tried to take my camera to I didn't have any problems Coheed and Cambria was opening for Heaven and Hell with Dio at the Meriwether Post Pavilion. So I took a photo of Dio that was I thought was really cool. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I could see these photos on the back of one of my dad's records. Like, yeah. I, could, I think I did a thing. Like, I don't know if I feel that same way if I revisit that photo right now. Like, maybe I'll look at it and be like, you were wrong. But in my mind, it was really good. <laughs> um, so first question I have from from what you were just talking about is when it comes to like, shooting food for example Mm -hmm. um i like the idea of that prompt of like you know shoot something that is otherwise not great to look at or something like Mm -hmm. that you know like one of those sorts of things um when shooting food like what are you looking for in the photo like or like what are you um hoping to capture is it like oh maybe the steam coming off of it is something that helps or um like what like what goes through your mind when you're trying to capture that yeah. So like most of, most kind of the, most of the photography people are used to seeing with food are like kind of the food porny images. Like they're very glossy. They're very overdone. As like I mentioned earlier, like a very exaggerated, like we're pulling the grilled cheese apart or pulling up a slice of pizza, things like that. Um, I feel like some of those photos are very like aspirational, like, and they almost feel like advertising commercial photos, which like would definitely have their place, but it's like enticing. Like, Oh, this could be you. Um, but my favorite food photography um, involves like, a lot of texture, a lot of interaction. Like you can take a picture of like a nice enough looking, like, you know, um, if you've got like a, um, like a bowl of curry, like it can look perfectly nice, but like, I want to see like a scene, like more of like a, what you would call a lifestyle image of like, is your grandma serving up that like curry for you onto the rice like can you see like the texture of her hands that probably like made this and like the jewelry that she never takes off where she cooks um can you see like you know the plateware on the table that also tells a story because it's from back home like I like I want to tell a story but also like the textures like the rich textures the gritty textures are really special to um me and create something that's like uh as like it's fun to take like glossy over the top photos like just as like a challenge and see what you can do especially when you work with like restaurants and bars that want content which is very different than like food photography for the sake of like this is for a recipe this is for like a cookbook this is for a publication like that's one thing versus like we're taking photos because we need people to like this so they can come to our restaurant and try to mimic that photo that's really smart because yeah i saw you've shot for bon appetit before which mm-hmm. to me sounds more like what you would be wanting to achieve for yourself, which is like telling a story with the, f- with the photo, as opposed to like, yeah, like helping a restaurant maybe put their food on social media. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the time you just like the, the question I asked myself at the beginning of like almost everything I do is like, what is the objective? Like, what is the top of mind? Like, what are you trying to do with this project? What does the client want? So when you're shooting for like, you know, I was the behind the scenes and like, <clears throat> excuse me, like recipe stills photographer for a friend who had a food and wine web series last year that was called pastries with Paula. And every week she would have a different like 
pastry chefs, so different pastry recipes. So my job is to take a photo of her in the kitchen on set, like with the item, um, looking like she is having the time of her life <laughs> and also like photographing the item in a way that is like bright and clear, but also shows somebody like a realistic depiction of what this would look like if they followed the recipe exactly. So like that objective is going to be very different than like, um, I don't know, getting hired for like, you know, photographing for a vodka brand. And they're like, we need to photograph seasonal cocktails. You want them to look X, Y, Z. And these are the, these are our brand colors. We're going to send you colored seamless paper backdrops that match them. And like glossy aspirational, like if you know, you have the right food styling tweezers and you know how to like cut the garnish correctly, maybe this could be you. Right. I love that. Um, and then, uh, you talked about your first time, like sneaking your camera into a show. Um, I think that that's a really funny, uh, early step for a lot of photographers, like that first, uh, that first level of, of, you know, being a bad kid, like, Oh, how am I going to get this in here? So what was, I'm going to ask, what was your move getting your camera in? I think, I tried to argue that it wasn't an SLR because it was so small. Oh, <laughs> like it didn't have like a big detachable lens because if you have like yeah. a point and shoot or a little like 35 millimeter joint, like for the most part, you're going to be fine. Especially if you're like, it's film. It doesn't even, it doesn't even like, yeah, who knows yeah, yeah. if we're even going to get a photo. I don't know. Like I just, for lack of a better term for this, like kind of playing dumb. Um, yeah. I know now that that will not work, but at the time I was like, yeah, I know it's like, it's like a point and shoot. See, it's like a point and shoot. It's, like, it's fine. Oh, like, I didn't know that that, that that would have even mattered. I, I just always assumed, cause I, I've never been a photographer. I've always just assumed that like venues if would maybe just be like a hard no for like any kind, but then it's an interesting conversation because everybody has cameras in their pockets now. So it's like, yeah, exactly. It, it's funny to like police one thing when it's like, yeah. everyone is going to be able to take photos. Everyone does take photos during yeah. the show. It's different. I mean, like having a cell phone camera, like, yeah, is it maybe going to be annoying to like, if you're the person who's constantly like experiencing the concert through the phone and there's people around yeah. you who are like, I'm just, everything I'm seeing this picture, this person's phone is in view. Like totally. that's one, that's one thing. But if you have like a big honking lens <laughs> and you're like, you're, you know, like the, I feel like one of the reasons a lot of venues that are more formal venues, we're not talking about like your black cats or your pinches or like smaller venues like that. We're talking like 930 clubs at photo pit is like, there, somebody has been waiting like since 2 p.m. that day to be in the front row to see their favorite band. And they did mm-hmm. not do that all day to have somebody with a big ass backpack with a giant lens sitting in front of them the whole show. So like you get your photos and you go. And also at a certain point, like unless the lighting drastically changes, like depending on who you're photographing, if it's like one of the pop girls, there might be a costume change. There might be a lighting shift. Maybe like if they have a visual like behind them, um, kind of in the place of a banner, like that might change. Um, but for the most part, like you're going to get what you need to get in the first three photos. Once you know what you're doing, like once you know what you're doing, that's um, for the most part. Two <laughs> and like, that doesn't mean there's not room for like spontaneous moments or things like that. Like stuff might happen. There might be some band crowd interaction that you're like, I've been there, but man, I had a camera out. That would have been a cool photo. But like for right. the most part, you're going to get the photos like that you came there to get in the first three. Uh, I have two questions that emerge from that. One is, uh, have you shot a lot of pop stuff? Um, I don't know if a lot, the most recent pop concert I photographed was like very, maybe not niche. I don't know. I don't think she's niche. 
was this Brazilian uh, drag queen who performs like in her drag persona as Pablo Vitar. And like the, yeah, every, I feel like every Portuguese speaking person in Washington DC and every drag performer worth their salt was like at this concert. This is a person with like one point something million followers on Instagram and things like that. I don't know how much that means, what that number means in the landscape of Instagram, but like that, um, like one of my first shows, my first show with the photo pass was at the black hat. It was a week before I turned 21 and it was Lumiria screaming females and against me at black hat in June 20, how old am I? 2011. <laughs> um, and then the week after that, I photographed like Marina and the diamonds at black hat. Um, so I've done some pop stuff when it comes to like, like I photographed Lizzo. I photographed like Cardi B. Um, that's awesome. Which is always like, yeah, it's definitely a very different experience than like photographing a rock show or a punk show. This podcast is presented by DistroKid, an incredible service for musicians that helps you upload your songs to all music streaming platforms from iTunes to Spotify and Apple Music, then pays you revenue from your songs all in one place. They've got a really cool new feature called Splits that allows you to add collaborators so you can pay your co-writers and fellow musicians without needing an accountant. To get 30% off your first year's DistroKid subscription, just head to distrokid.com slash VIP slash hard times. What I was thinking about was because you mentioned costume changes and something that I've never thought about is um, I imagine that a lot of these, uh, those sort of artists would like to have their different costumes uh, photographed. So like, I was curious if it was different than going to see and shoot a rock show with a photo pass where it's like, yeah, it's usually like, oh, you only get the first three songs, then you move on. But I was wondering if shooting a concert like that, if they allow you to come and go more because you're capturing different parts of the set. Once in a while, there'll be like first three from the photo pit and then the rest are like from other parts of the house, like back of house or songbirds. So like you can still get the photos of the costume changes, but like at that after that, it's Just like different angles. Um, yeah, because again, like they know that their fans are going to be like, I didn't come here for this person to be standing in front of me the whole time. Totally. Um, like one of the last concerts I photographed before the pandemic was another drag performer, Trixie Mattel. And she had a couple of like outfit, like things were like somebody like pulled on a string of her outfit. And it was like a completely new outfit. And here's like, I think there was a wig change. That would have been a lot. But I think that was a show where it was like, you can shoot the first three from the from the front and then like the rest from the back of the house. Got it. Um, yeah, I would think something- so too. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm right, like, if yeah, I yeah, plan yeah. four outfits for the night, you're going to get photos of every single one. <laughs> yeah, because in a way, it puts a lot of pressure on that first outfit. And then it makes you, you know, if, like you already it. get the first couple nights <laughs> of uh, that concert with those with that outfit. Going yeah. forward with that tour, it's going to be the same outfit every yeah. that you're shot with. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, and then it, something I, I started thinking about later in life, which is um, from the performer standpoint. With the photo pit. <clears throat> And all that and usually how it's like yeah like the first block of songs or whatever it is um is the idea for that um i imagine it's yeah so people in the front you know can enjoy the show without you know such such in their way but um is it also because the person is the least sweaty at that point possibly i would i would say maybe like any photos of me when i was playing in my last band like first of all our singer would perform as their drag persona so, like, nobody uh-huh. was looking at me. But if they were looking at me, like, you could tell when the photo was from, like, at the beginning of the set versus the end of the set. Yeah. Like, it was very obvious. And I'm sure you could also 
tell from yeah. photos of yourself. So like, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I don't know why all the rules are the way that they are. I just try to be respectful, ask the questions I need to ask, get clarity and like, do my best to make sure that there's no reason for any venue to be like, can't have her back. <laughs> right. It was just one of those things that I thought about over time where I'm like, I'm like, you know, maybe that's just circumstance and it's great because yeah, like the first three songs, you're probably not as, uh, you know, disgusting as you're going to be. 25 you, minutes into the set but you can leave the photo pit of a show and just have shot the first three songs and have like 600 images on your camera roll because you're shooting in high speed if you're photographing somebody jumping and you're not using flash at a venue like that maybe the shutter clicked like 22 times and three of them were like the shot like when uh-huh. you get home depending on who you're shooting for the venue the artist a publication like you have to sit there and you just like go through your card and be like all right which ones are the ones like right you got to narrow down like that's if you shoot the whole any night where I've had the chance to like shoot like a whole set, I'm always like, why do I have two thousand photos that oh. I have to go through? Why did I play myself like this? Yeah, <laughs> and I sit there, I'm like, I love what I do. I love what I do. I love what right. I do. I don't want to throw my camera, my computer into the Potomac. I love uh. Lightroom. It's so good to me. Like <laughs> at that point, like you know, it's you know this. Like you do what you love for a living for the most part. It's still work. Like there's, it's still a job at a certain point. Um, like it's a cooler job than most jobs, but it's still a job. Totally. Um, what about the first time, um, you developed film? How, do you do, did you go through that? Like the, the never dark in my life. I'm learning this really? summer. I didn't go to school for photo. I went to school. Yeah. I wanted to go. Okay. Cause again, when your parents grow up in places that have had like civil wars, you get a lot of sentences that start with like, I didn't struggle and live through da da da. So you could do da da da. So uh-huh. I wanted to go to school for music. I wanted to be like, I loved soundtracks. Like my favorite concert that like symphonic orchestra would play would be like the annual pops concert. And that would be like when we, the projector came down behind us and it would be like Jaws theme, Harry Potter theme, Indiana Jones, we were playing soundtrack. Any photo of me in high school from those shows, I look like I was having time of my life because I was, I loved soundtracks. I would get into movies because my friends would be like, I would go to the library and get CDs of soundtracks. I remember being like the soundtrack to like, like I would get that's, I think that's how I got into like John Carpenter movies is like, I heard the soundtracks of his movies before I saw the movies. And I was like, Oh shit, I gotta watch this. This movie, yeah. this sounds cool as hell. Like I want to hear this. And, um, I loved it. I wanted to go to school and like play music or maybe teach music or maybe compose. And my dad was like, I didn't struggle in Sierra Leone. So my daughter could be a starving artist. And I was like, I cannot argue with this. How do you argue with that? There was one time I asked my dad, a friend's family, I was in like middle school and friend's family invited me to go camping with them. And I was like, yeah, can I go to so-and-so's with so-and-so's family to go camping? My dad was like, I didn't struggle in Africa for my daughter to sleep outside for FUD. I'm like, what do you say to that? There's no good comeback. You're not like, yeah, well, I'm like, yeah, points were made. I don't know. (laughs) So yeah, smoking gun argument. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have, I really, I didn't have the, I I didn't have the courage when I was at that age to be like, okay, dad, you're right. Um, and I went to school for political science and middle East international relations. Cause I was like, I'm going to fix everything. Um, I had also gone through some shit and I was just like, okay, I've been there. I've seen the shit. I want to fix it. Like I really, I, you know, maybe it's hopeful. Maybe it's naive. I still don't know. Um, but I didn't go to school for photo and I shoot film, but I usually will like send it to a local place to get it developed. But this, this summer is the summer. Um, my friend Josh isn't teaching me how to develop film. He actually teaches photo at the school I used to go to. 
Um, he's an awesome, like mostly medium format photographer. Um, he has like one of my favorite Instagram usernames. It's Cadillac Ranch Dressing. <laughs> it's really good. I keep track of like my favorite Instagram usernames for like local, local to me. They're like the local celebrities. Like I'll see a person right. and I'm like, Oh, that's Fergie's eyebrow piercing. Like I've never, like I've never interacted with this person, but like somebody in Baltimore has an Instagram username, Fergie's eyebrow piercing. It's incredible. It's <laughs> yeah. incredible. I don't know if even Fergie still has an eyebrow piercing. I don't know what's going on with her, but I'm happy for that username. <laughs> but yeah. Having developed film yet, um, really looking forward to learning how to do that. That's it feels awesome. like an incomplete process when I'm like snapping and then sending it off. I'm like, I need to know what happens. Like, right. I'm too curious for my own good. I want to like, I was the kid who would like open, like my dad would be like, do not open the VHS tape. Do not try to take this apart. And he'd come back and it was like, here's the ribbon for the VHS tape or the cassette or whatever. Um, like I always want to know what's going on inside the machine. So I'm, I'm, I need to know for my heart. Um, and that might open yeah. up a whole new, you know, level of excitement with photography, like different ways you can, you can do that, you know? Yeah. I feel, I've been feeling a little bit like, maybe not stagnant. That's not the right word. Cause I don't feel negatively. I think stagnant is a negative word, but kind of like I'm at a plateau and I like, I think I need something different. I started art framing a year ago, like learning how to frame things and like not looking at a screen the entire time of doing that is so cool. <laughs> so oh, I think I I'm just ready for like more experiences where this, there's not as many screens involved and like it's way more tactile, like making something with my hands. So I feel like the developing is going to be part of that. For sure. Yeah. I, I, I asked that question now and again, because um, I had a, I went, you know, I took a elective photo class in high school and developing film was the most stressful thing for me um, in the entire world. Cause it was in the pitch black room and I just, I just couldn't mm-hmm. even get the canister. I couldn't even get the thing open. I'd always have to have someone do it for me. It was always, so I wanted to hear your, your side. You still of it, have any exce- of those photos anywhere? Oh, definitely not. And I'm sure they were, they were so (laughs) dirty. You know what I'm saying? Like I definitely had like, like marks all over it. It was, uh, it was a disaster. It was definitely, I was definitely not good. Um, happens, but was, uh, you talked about shooting against me that against me show. So that was like the first, like, um, like punk show you shot, right? That's what you said. That was, um, it was my first show with a photo pass. I had photographed a couple oh, okay. of things. I don't remember exactly which shows, but like the first show I felt like official I have a photo pass. I'm like a real adult doing this thing. And was um, that for uh like a, that was an for like a local was for like, yeah, it was for yeah. like a local online magazine I shot for for a while. Like why didn't I, now I don't know. I would not do this now. Uh, I didn't get paid, but I like no I didn't have to arrange I got to practice, which is what I needed. Like I had I, I look back at the photos I submitted at that time, like, hey, can I shoot for your site? Like they were not good. They were not good, um, but they have like potential. I could see, like, I could see the potential. I could see the potential that maybe that editor saw in my in my photos, right? Um, but they well, like, ask- arrange they they yeah. arrange the photo pass. I wouldn't have to negotiate that. A lot of the time, I got a plus one, and it was just a great way to get out and practice. And that was like the most important thing to me. What was the first photo that you remember being published? Maybe in a, in like a, a in print, if that if you remember. There were a couple of things in Maximum Rock and Roll. I think there was like a Downtown Boys photo on a cover of Maximum Rock and Roll, one issue. Wow. I don't remember what year, maybe 2014, somewhere between 2013, 2015. My first glossy photo that wasn't like food, because I had been working with restaurants and bars for a while. Like my job was like I worked for myself and I did photography and PR, social media for like food businesses and restaurants and bars in DC. 
um, I think my first like glossy magazine that there's an issue of premier guitar magazine. And it was a photo of Marissa from screaming females who are like my favorites friends. I'm like really grateful that I've gotten to know those folks over the years. Cause like the whole like meeting the people you look up to is kind of dangerous cause they might suck. Like those are not, those people do not suck. Those people are wonderful. <laughs> Oh, that's aren't awesome. you going on? T- aren't you going on? Like, are you always say, on that messenger? Sir? Okay, yeah, we're all gonna sad. hang out. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> it's gonna awesome. be great. I've, n- I've never, uh, I've never had the pleasure of meeting them, so I look forward to it. You're gonna, you're just, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of you for sure. But that was the first photo I remember being in like a glossy magazine, um, and I was really proud of that photo of Marissa because um, I just think that she's the coolest, and um, and she's also a visual artist, which I love finding the intersections of like people who make music would also have, like make visual art in some way. I think it's just really cool. Do you remember uh, the feeling you got when you, you know, got in your hands, the, whether it was maximum rock and roll or, or whatever it was, uh, and seeing your photo on the coverage, you remember what that felt like? Yeah. I mean, I think for the maximum rock and roll one, it was really exciting, especially because like <sighs> my sweet dad, he saw like a magazine called maximum rock and roll. And he went to like the local record shop to get like a new needle for his turntable. And it was like, had like a Japan scene report or something. And he was like, my daughter likes Japanese things. Maybe she'll like this magazine. Like that man didn't open that magazine and go like, what in the devil is happening here? Like I'm when he bought it home, I was like, is this a joke? Like, am I being punked? Am I going to like, if I open it, am I going to get like grounded for two weeks? Like I really thought that like, cause he was so strict and like, he wouldn't like, I looked at some of his like records and he was into like, he got, he had a little bit of everything in there. Like he loved Blondie, which I had I now just, you know, have Amazing. To, love Blondie and he had like a black Sabbath record and I was like what's that and he was like that record is for dirty hippies and I don't know why I didn't go like why do you have it let's go out there um so I don't know why he wasn't like here you know like I really thought it was a joke because it I'm like this is like there's curse words in here yeah there's people wearing like not appropriate clothing in here <laughs> you know like I yeah. really was shocked um but like getting that after being like this kid excited to like get this like newsprint little thing in like middle school was just like, whoa, <laughs> like I really felt like, is this a fluke? <laughs> Am I supposed right. to be here? Like, don't they have somebody else that they could call? Um, again, working on the, the self-doubt piece. But, um, but that was my, like, I was just, I get mean, an email. I was like, moment. yeah, getting like, there's been a couple of full circle full circle moments in the past couple of years of my life. That I'm very, very grateful for and learning to just appreciate it and say, thank you. Instead of being like, well, the other person probably said no. So like they called somebody right. else. <laughs> yeah. What about, uh, what about the first time you were hired by a client? Like we were talking, uh, I think it was before the, we started recording about how you worked on the newest praise record. So, um, talk to me about that. Like, uh, was there, um, maybe a band you got hired for, for album art or, um, yeah. I mean, mind? for like music related stuff specifically, what I remember the first, like the first proper, like band shoot, like we had it on a Google calendar. There was an agreed upon <laughs> price was for red death when formidable darkness came out. So like, that's the photo that's on the back of that record and on the back of the shirt. Um, my mom has one of those long sleeves and she's like at the gym to look tough. <laughs> I think it's so funny. A couple of weeks ago, I was like playing it while I was editing and she was like, why are they so mad? I'm like, it's not a shit to be mad about mom, but also like you were wearing that shirt yesterday. She was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> love nice. her. Love, love yeah. the woman who, who filled my home with music um, of almost every kind, but like to her music is like a happy thing. We dance. And I'm like, it's dancing. It's just different. 
I don't know yeah. what to tell you. Um, but that was one of the first ones where like some, a band had like hired me to come like to make photos of them and um, for like a specific purpose. And it wasn't just like, we could just go uh, the brick wall behind the venue and take that photo. Like I have seen that photo enough and I tell bands straight flat out, like, I don't want to take that photo. Like maybe if you want it for like Instagram, sure. But like, if you want like an, some cool photos with your record or your shirts or whatever, your promo, like, can we do something different, please? <laughs> like, please no, how are more, you, no more of that. How are you with uh, coming up with concepts like that? Do you, do you often put it to the band or do you enjoy coming up with your own concepts for band photography? Cause that from someone coming from someone in a band that goes through this a lot, like mm-hmm. it's really hard to come up with, uh, with an idea because more often than not, yeah, it's like the standing in front of a wall is more often than not what bands end yeah. up doing. You yeah. Know? Um, a good amount of the time, the location is what will speak to me the most. So like a good example is like a couple of records ago, I took promo photos for, <clears throat> excuse me, for screaming females. And we actually took them at rest in pieces in Richmond, which is like a cool, like oddities shop that has like very strange taxidermy. And I think now they like, it's a little more, it's a shop. So it wasn't never, it wasn't like it was never commercial, but now they have like crystals and stuff. And it's a little bit more woo woo, which not (laughs) negative. I love some woo woo shit myself. (laughs) It just happens. Um, But like, I had asked Marissa, like, tell me more about the concept of the album. Like what's the vibes. And she said like Gothic literary salon. And I was like, okay, this place looks very goth. And depending on like the clothes we put you all in, like we could actually like, I think, I feel like we should, we could capture that vibe and I know a place and they happen to be like coming down near Richmond. So it was like, okay, this is good timing. Like I can hop in the van with you guys for a couple of days and we can make these photos like the day after your Richmond show. Um, yeah, sometimes it's that sometimes like I have a running like list of ideas that I have like a notepad near my bed. And if I like wake up and think of something at two 30 AM, which happens very frequently and I wake up like, why didn't I sleep well? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll write it down or like something like a very specific image will like come to me in a dream. And then maybe like a band will be like, we're looking for this or that. And like, we kind of find a middle ground, like, okay, let's take this component from this idea on the list. That's kind of close to what you want. And then figure out what you guys want, because like, not everybody, like having your photo taken and like posing for photos is like very different. Like when you're on stage, like you don't have to think about what you're doing and like how you look on camera, you're doing your thing. It's somebody else's job to capture what you're doing, but like posing people for photos and making them feel comfortable enough to like show like who they are and be comfortable enough to like be themselves in front of the camera is so hard. And this is something I feel like I got much better at during the pandemic when there weren't shows. And a lot of the work I was getting hired for was like portraiture, whether it was like document, like whether it was like an assignment for a publication, um, you know, whether it was a publication assignment or whether it was like a band or something, um, you know, people, it takes a lot to get comfortable to have your photo taken. Like I hate having my picture taken. I am, I need to send somebody an updated headshot like last week. I still haven't done it and I'm doing it. I'm the one doing it. I don't even want to do it. Well, it's Um, extra pressure if you're the one doing it too, because yeah, you're the photographer. It should be like that. It should be (laughs) fine. And I know Bruno's going to come up to me and like try to hang out and the dog's going to be like, I can be in the photo too. Maybe that should make me feel better. I don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, like you're not going to get a good photo of the band if you're making them do stuff that is like so wildly out of their comfort zone that they look uncomfortable in the photos. And like, that's why I think you have so many photos of like, Oh, like, or I'm outside of a venue brick wall. Like I can just stand and look tough. Like you do something a little bit different, put them in an environment that is like interesting, but not too crazy. Like 
you know, not so far out of their comfort zone that they don't feel like they can convey what they want to convey in the photos. Totally, totally. Um, I saw on your site, you've done uh, like a lot, you've had like a lot of exhibits, which is super cool. And I was curious what the first one that you ever did was and what that was like for you. One of the first ones I can remember, I think it was 2015 as part of the, yeah, 2015 as part of a photo collective of women photographers in DC called Contrario Collective. And everybody kind of had a different specialty. So, um, you know, some people did more portrait work. Some people did more documentary. People had different like subject matters that they specialized in. And it was in this building in DC called 52 O Street Studios. The house is a bunch of artist studios. Um, I remember I had just sliced my finger open with an immersion blender like two weeks before. So I oh have like God. a bandage on my finger and the photos. I remember I was like holding a cup of coffee and I'm like, yeah, that happened right around then. So it was 2015. Um, but we just kind of did it ourselves. And that was my first time having my photo and anything like that. Um, it was one of the reasons I got so excited about being part of To the Front, which I know we talked about before we started, but for people who don't know, it's a collective of women and non-binary, like visual, creative people, mostly photography, but there's other mediums as well. Um, so I think at that point, you know, I think that I had already known, I had already observed in my life that like a lot of the things I wanted to be part of, like maybe didn't exist yet. And, um, like I got excited when people were like, okay, this doesn't exist. We're not waiting for like an adult to be like, you can have this. <laughs> like we're not waiting for like whoever is in charge to be like, okay, kind people, you may have a photo show. Like we were not waiting for a major museum to do that for us. So it was just putting it all together, like putting it all together. And again, like having the audacity to do it. <laughs> right, right. Having the audacity to do it, which, you know, you would think I had that a long time ago. New recent development as a re- as recent as like 2014, 2015. Um, yeah. Still working on that, like imposter syndrome and security piece, trying to chip away at that every day. But I feel like that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, it's it's been repeated a billion times on this show for I me, but <laughs> I, I strongly say that if if I meet someone who doesn't have imposter syndrome, I don't really take them seriously. Okay, so listen, a little bit of self doubt is healthy. If you don't have yes. a little bit of self doubt, I don't trust you, and not to the point where it's like crippling and stops you from doing something. Because I have experienced that, and I experience it in waves. There's probably like a dip, a little low dip in the depression wave, like. <laughs> six months ago or something where I was just like, I think I told somebody I wasn't available for something. Just, I straight up thought I couldn't do it. And it was a job that paid really well. And it was a cool gig. And I was like, I'm not the right person for this. I won't be able to do what they need me to do. And um, then I saw the photos that were turned around by whoever did the project. And I was like, I totally could have done that. What the fuck was wrong with me? Um, But like, you know, it's a defense mechanism. You know, when you are used to rejection, which is part of the creative process, it's very easy to cultivate, um, a habit of rejecting yourself before somebody else can do it for you. Like looking at an open call for a show, for a zine, for for a job, something and saying like, I'm not good enough for that. And just not doing it because it, that you can handle, you can handle rejecting yourself better than you can handle somebody else rejecting you. Um, so I feel like a little self doubt is healthy if you're not stopping yourself from doing something, but more like checking yourself like, okay, like that was pretty good. Like what can we do better next time? Like, how can I improve this? Like, how can I show up better for the client, for myself? Like what, you know, just checking in and being real with yourself is what I mean more than self-doubt. When people have zero self-doubt, I'm like, what is wrong with you? And I'm also just like, wait, the thing in life that puts that in you hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. (laughs) 
It's your going time, to. Your time will come. Your, your time, time will, will come, come, motherfucker. I don't know when, <laughs> but it will. <laughs> um, talk to me about uh, because you, I saw, I saw you put out a book, which is super awesome, and I wanna, I wanna ask you about your experience, uh, your first time like self self publishing something, because you, uh, you put out a book called uh, Present Tense, which is uh, the di the a look at like the DC and uh, DIY punk scene happening in uh in that area and what i loved is that when i was reading about it how it says like um wanting people not to focus on the the nostalgia of that area because i think when people you know as we all know when people think of dc they think of minor threat they think of fugazi they think of bad brains like all of that sorts of stuff but i like that you were focusing on the fact that you're like no there's still amazing stuff happening currently right now um so talk to me about that book and talk to me about what your experience was doing that yourself yeah, there was a lot of crying involved. <laughs> there was so much crying. I would call like friends in other cities because I was up at 4 a.m. East Coast time. And I'm like, who's awake that I call to and be like, am I being crazy right now? Like not to use that word pejoratively, but I felt like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> yeah. Which is the state I find myself in a lot. But at this point, I know that if I find myself thinking, what have I gotten myself into? It's probably going to be good. Um, I mean, I had an issue where like a potential printer like ghosted me and I had to move the book release because I had mentioned that loosely to um, my friend Victoria who runs, she's, I think her anniversary was like yesterday. Um, my friend Victoria runs this incredible like not-for-profit gallery in DC called Transformer. Um, it's a very cool, tiny space. Like when you look at a picture of it, like Google Maps street view on the block where it is, it's like gentrification, tiny art gallery that used to just be like the alley between two buildings, which I only learned a couple of days ago. They ran for 20 years and they have like an annual, like local solo artist exhibition. So like we were in a meeting about something and she I would just like loosely mentioned like, yeah, if I ever make this book one day and she was like, when's the book coming out? I was like, I, um, I, I don't know, maybe like early 2020 or something. I don't, I don't know. I was just like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Now I actually like somebody's, somebody's taking me to task with this thing. I'm very good at like keeping things, holding my cards close until something is like ready. Like I will ask, I will ask for help. I'll ask the people I need help to make, accomplish the thing, um, which is been a journey for me as well but i'll ask for help when i need it if i know that there's something i need help with or can't do on my own but for the most part like i usually operate on like a need to know basis i don't tell people like i'm working on this over the next three years like i'll be like hey this is going to come out in three months and this is how you can support it um so for the like, telling somebody out loud outside of my normal circle like oh if i ever get this book done she was like, when's it coming out and i was i didn't realize it was because she was like you should be our solo show in like january 2017 or 20 January 2020. I was like, okay. <laughs> so that show kind of like forced me to be like, okay, you have like six years, five years, six years of like focusing a lot on hardcore and punk and DIY in DC. Like, let's do something with it. Let's like figure out what images are going in the book. And I'll choose like my favorite ones to be in the show. Um, and it was a pretty cool connection because um, Victoria's partner is Brian Baker. So like there is some like just all the little intersections of uh art and punk in dc are like fast so um yeah i think it, there were a lot of late nights there was like a printer that bailed on me um there was like calling a friend at to the like every hour one night like with questions about using like 
I forgot. I think I was using it. Yeah. I hadn't used InDesign in such a long time. I'd used it since like high school. And I was like, how do I do this? What's going on there? This is different than laying out my high school newspaper. <laughs> like <laughs> that's where the point where at one point he was like, just how about you just stay on the phone with me? And we like screen share until we're like, get to where you want to be because you can't keep calling me every five minutes <laughs> with every question. Right. Let's just like, if we're going to do this, let's just do this. Um, but it took a lot of like, it was one of those moments where I was just like, do not be naive. Like there is, there shouldn't be so much pride. And like, I did this all by myself. Like if you don't have to, then you shouldn't. There's no, like, I think people really place this emphasis on like, I did everything by myself. I was completely independent. I didn't need anything from anybody. And like, I feel like that's the tone of that statement now is very like, I don't need people, but it's like, there's nothing wrong with needing people. Like there's no reason to silo yourself. Like everybody has to me to contribute the conversation. Like Sarah O.D., uh, Sarah Donahue, who had designed some of my favorite DC show flyers, like did the lettering for the book. And we turned that into like the vinyl transfer for the window of the gallery. And it gave it so much personality and put it in that context. Like I can't do that. I can't graphic design. I use Canva. I don't know shit. Like there is yeah. no reason for me to be like, oh, let me not. And I was even like embarrassed to reach out to friends like, I need a new printer, like mine bailed. And I didn't want to seem like I didn't know what I was doing. I was so worried about like how I would be perceived by other people that I had to pull myself up and be like, do you want to get this thing done or not? Because you have a release date, you have a release event on the books. It's on a press release. <laughs> like if you want to get this done, you need to stop worrying so much about what other people think of you or how you look to other people and get the, get the fucking thing done. <laughs> right. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, a, that's, Everything you just said is is so completely real. I swear to God, I'm so I feel so incredibly blessed that I am in a band with uh, Nick Steinhardt, who I can go to for literally anything um, uh, design wise. You know, like yeah. And if I and I think to myself, like if I didn't have my close relationship with Nick, who does like all Touche's art and and mm-hmm. everything for my label and whatever, like I don't know what I would do. And but I know right. I would be in that same position where I would have to reach out to friends and stuff like that. Right. And there is that, um, I think if you have any sort of self-doubt in yourself or if you're the imposter syndrome and all that sort of stuff, I think that amplifies your um, unwillingness to want to ask for help. Um, and once you overcome that, it's like you, you you make your life so much easier and you also realize how many people are willing to help you because they're also in the creative field and want to see other people succeed. Yeah, and I the other, on the flip side of that is like, there's so many things I've had to learn on my own because like I said, yes, that I would do this yeah. thing for a person. And then I was like, Oh shit, I gotta find like five YouTube videos and find the right combination of information to figure out how to do this thing that I have never learned how to do. Like, but there's no shame in that. Like I, again, like I learned so much of what I know from photography from like shadowing other people from like assisting on set. Um, and from YouTube university, which is free. <laughs> you got to watch some Virgo ads, but it's free other than that. And, um, I used to feel like embarrassed about the fact they didn't have any like professional training for photography. Now I'm like, I'm okay. Like I, I feel like I'm good. And like, there's so many, you can, you can still take one-off workshops. You can still take a course with somebody, you, can, you know, there's, there's other ways to like, I, I realize how bored I get if I'm not continuously learning, but I think I would rather like go find like a Photoshop, like I don't Photoshop, but like an, like an InDesign essentials class to take instead of being like, it is four in the morning. I need to email this to somebody at seven. I need to figure out how to do this thing right now. Right. <laughs> like, I'll figure it out, but I'm going to have a terrible time. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really uh, grateful that the book geez. came out when it did because, um, I think the last day of my show at the gallery was leap day. It was February 29th, 2020. 
So everything closed, like everything started closing right after that. I had like a hundred copies with me at this, at the, at the like book event I did at the gallery. And then after that, I just shipped everything out of like the tiny basement apartment I was living in. And it was, it was a time, um, but I'm happy I got it out in the world when I did. Um, and it was, I, it was really great to get feedback from people saying like, I really miss shows right now. And this is like getting me through that and making totally. me feel like I'm there again. And you can still get that book from your website right now, right? Yeah, you can get that book. I also made a coloring book um, in winter 2020 because usually I'll do like of usually uh, the past the years leading up to that, like right before the pandemic, I would usually have like a holiday print sale and I would choose like maybe my favorite seven to ten photos I'd taken that year and make like a limited number of each one um, as like a holiday print sale. And it would be a mix of like, all right, we have photos of Soul Glow, but we also have photos of like Mitski like just something for everybody in there because that's again my extremely indecisive music taste um i think it makes life fun i don't want to like just one thing i think that's boring but um i i didn't have photos from shows for the holiday print sale in 2020 december 2020 because there weren't i had shot like two shows before the pandemic right. started it was like a show that soul glow played with open city uh at auto bar and that trixie mattel concert and those were like the things i had photographed because i was focusing on my book and focusing on my show so I was like, I, that's not enough. Um, so I learned how to use Procreate and I made a coloring book, like tracing my favorite, like punk show photos and made that's that awesome. into a thing. And people were like very excited. That was like a good gift item. Um, yeah. And that was a fun thing. It was so funny. I saw Ian Marshall the other day from, I don't know how many bands Ian is in. Dear God, he's in so many and plays guitar in protesters and give. I am just, he played in other bands before that. I'm forgetting. I'm sorry. Don't be mad at me, Ian. But his kid was at this show. He was at the Praise record release. And he was like, tell Farah what bands you like. And his kid was like, Mateo was like, I like Protester. And he was just like, yeah, he knows Protester from your coloring book. He knows these bands from your coloring book. I was like, that's it. We did it. Retiring. I don't need, my life is, I'm set. I'm good. Mateo approves. I'm good. (laughs) That's so cool. That's so cool. Uh well, hey, I could hit you with the last question, which was, uh, when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you've been working so hard towards? I'm thinking about this. Thank you for emailing it ahead of time. There's a couple of answers, if that's okay. They all felt like a little bit different. Absolutely. Um, there was one where somebody sent me a message after I posted a photo from like dam- one of the damaged cities. I don't remember if it was 2014 or 2015. I posted some photos and somebody sent me an email, like not just like Instagram comment or something. Like I put it up on my website. Somebody sent me an email and they were like, Hey, thanks for posting these photos. They made me feel like I was there. I was like, damn, that's all I've ever wanted. Um, one of the next times I think I felt that that was maybe it was before or after. I don't remember. There's a time where somebody was like, Oh, I saw that photo and I knew it was yours right away that was a big mm. deal to like, feel like, Oh wow. Like my photos stand on their own. You don't need to see my name next to them. Um, that's incredible. Well, I, yeah. I think those are, those are the two main ones. I remember like the first time that I saw my photo on a shirt, it was like John from give put out like a Masha's delight promo with protester. So that was the first time I had my photo on like the back of a t-shirt or a shirt, which was really cool. I remember seeing it out in the wild and I was like, Oh shit. I don't know that person at all they didn't feel personally compelled to buy that photo shirt because my photo was on it. Like they're just a random ass person enjoying a protester shirt. Cause it looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But those little moments, I think, like, for the most part, is just, like, when somebody tells you that, like, they know it's your photo and they felt like they were there. Like, anytime anybody says that to me, like, in a random DM, like, I try to reply to people, but sometimes I forget. Um, that is a big feeling because, like, that's all I want from these photos, for people to, like, be able to see themselves there and, like... Um, get excited about it or when people are like, Hey, I, thank you for so much for sharing photos of that band. Like I looked them up and like, I'm really excited for their next show. Like that's real. Those are like, I want people to feel engaged. I want people to like see that photo and feel like they could, they could not just see themselves in it, but like they could like belong, you know, um, like break free fest is coming up next week. And like, that is a room where like, I feel at home in that room. Like I have in no other way because it's mostly black and brown punks. And I'm like, wow, I, we're all minorities, but we're not the minority in here. We're like just a bunch of cool people like listening to reggaeton between sets. <laughs> and it's like, it's so special, but I want people to like, I want people to see that, be able to like, be like, oh, wow. Like I try to photograph shows where I feel comfortable. Like I don't want to go to shows where like I, I feel small and insignificant because of like the kind of people who are in the room, like don't give a shit about me or if I feel comfortable or safe or not. Like, I only want to be in spaces where, um, like I feel good and, um, I want people to see that be like, Oh wow. Like, okay, there is space for me here. Like I can be part of this and like, there'll be other people like me there and I don't have to be like scared. Right on, right on. That's awesome. And well, I, I really, really appreciate what you've, uh, you know, what, what you've done for, um, the music scene and, you know, all the, friends and bands that you've photographed over the years uh it's you know it it helps so much and uh i really appreciate this conversation this was this is really awesome thanks so much for hanging out with me today farah thank you for having me absolutely And that is our show. Thank you so much to Farah for coming on and hanging out with me. And thank you for listening. Uh, reminder, if you haven't subscribed to the show over on Apple and Spotify, please do that. I uh, would really appreciate it. And I will see you next Wednesday. Take care. Bye-bye.